Welcome to The Ferment, everyone. We are super excited to be back in 2021 with the vintage updates for our loyal listeners here at Brown Family Wine Group. We'll be getting real-time information direct from our winemaking teams on what is and will be coming into the winery, as well as some insights into what happens next on the journey to wine. Please enjoy The Ferment Winery Updates. Alrighty, we're back everyone with another vintage update and I'm here with KB. How are you, KB? I'm very good. Just rolling my way through vintage, you could say. Awesome, awesome. And uh, when I say I'm here with KB, I'm actually at a distance. I've been lucky enough to be let out of Victoria and up in New South Wales and currently standing in front of what you would call a desk in a hotel room with the side table on top of that desk so that I can stand up and do this podcast. So I might get a quick photo of it when I'm finished up with this recording and send it out with this because it looks like a pretty funny setup. So that's Studio 12, I believe you're in. Yeah, I don't know. I've lost track. I I thought I was keeping track of it all, but I've lost it. So let's go with Studio 12 in the Ridges Hotel, Sydney. <laughs> now, we're back via phone, as you might be able to hear. So, you know, please persevere with us, listeners. The quality's not quite as good as when we're in Studio 1, but we just want to keep these vintage updates rolling. And this week, we're super excited to have Kate Looney join us. Uh, I know everyone was very, very excited to think that Joel was coming back with some more sexy wine tech details, but we've got Kate in as well, and Kate uh, will, I'm sure, fill the boots perfectly in uh, giving us an update. So, Kate, Joel was telling us last episode that things are coming in thick and fast and at a pace that was quite a lot higher tonnage than we're normally getting on average per week. Has that continued on? Yeah, we're certainly still tracking well above the long-term average for our intake each week. Uh, We did a bit over 2,700 tonne last week and we're going to do a very similar number this week. So there's some really big days in there of 500 plus tonnes. So the guys are working really hard out there. That's crazy. And is that like near on capacity? Could Could we bring in more than that or is that just about as much as we can take in? Oh, we've done some pretty stupid numbers in the past but it's not very sustainable I think we've done you know up near the 600 ton mark but you know it's it's not good for the operators it's probably not good for the equipment so yeah about that 500 you know marks probably our upper limit I think one of the aims of the game in vintage is not to end up with any grumpy seller hands and when you start pushing it a bit hard people get grumpy out at the crusher and the press and then that follows on into the juice processing so to keep everyone happy I think we're we're sort of at the right mark uh, where we're sitting at the moment. Sounds very fair and so Kate where does that leave us in terms of uh, intake so far? Yeah we clicked over 10,000 tonne yesterday so that makes us about two-thirds of the way through so we're really getting into it and we'll sort of start plateauing off after the end of probably next week we'll start to decline in that intake because you know things will slow down and those big tonnages will moderate out. With all these sort of you know greater than average intake into the winery is that been a situation of higher yields than we expected or are we on track to bring in what we thought we would bring in? No we're on track to bring in what we thought. I think the you know we've added complexity these days. We've got two large white varieties, Prosecco and Musket for Moscato or Gordo for Moscato. So, and they sort of start to overlap each other now. So there's big tonnages of those all trying to come in. 
at this, you know, these sort of three weeks of our busiest time in March, which makes it, you know, just a little bit more compact for intake. So, yeah, with that intake, that extra intake of Prosecco, last year we put in a new press. Uh, so we're certainly able to bring in some more tonnes across the, you know, the night and the day shift of Prosecco just with that capacity being increased. So that certainly allowed us to increase those tonnages, which is great and bringing it in and it's right conditions and it's right bome, so fruit's looking great. Kate, with all this fruit coming in, there must be some highlights in the last week. Can you chat us through that? Oh, look, this vintage, I don't think I can pinpoint a highlight. All the fruit across the board is looking so good and I was trying to pick some favourites the other day, but oh, it's really, really hard. I think we've got a swag of fantastic stuff from rosé, right through to all the whites. Yeah, so it's hard to pick a favourite this year of what I think is, you know, the highlight. And you're in the Yarra on Monday. Can you tell us a bit about how the fruit's looking and how the vintage is looking up there? Yeah, well, we're getting to the pointy end of finishing off the Yarra. So there's still some fruit mainly up in the upper Yarra, some Pinot Grigio and some Pinot Noir, and then there's some smaller parcels of, uh, small parcels of, Merlot, Cabernet and Shiraz uh, and the Valley floor. So we're getting close to, you know, in the next week or two probably racking up in the Yarra, but the fruit is standing out so well. And again, across the board, bright, beautiful acid holding into the fruit. So everything just looks so fresh and bright when you taste it on the vine and nothing's ripening extremely quickly. So you're just getting really lovely flavour development. So yeah, it's going to be a cracker. And I'm right in saying that's all for Innocent Bystander. The Cabernet will, is a Patricia parcel, so that will head into the kindergarten and be made into a Patricia Cabernet parcel, So and that's looking really lovely. And the Merlot probably end up in the uh, 1889 range, depending unless we come up with something quirky for IB for it. I think if Matt Jaynes or Andrew Dix are listening into this podcast, they'll be going... Cabernet from the Yarra Valley. We can take on Mount Mary. and <laughs> We could do a Cabernet Mellow blend. Absolutely. Go back to the hallmarks of Yarra Valley and how it all sort of started for them with those beautiful Bordeaux blends. A year like this, they'll ripen and just look perfect without that green capsicum look that, you know, a really cool area can get sometimes with those Bordeaux varieties. Now, KB, we've got some Riesling into the winery already. How does that fruit look out of Victoria? Yeah, so this is actually fruit from our backyard. This is the Hurdle Creek Riesling. And um, the Hurdle Creek Riesling goes into the Crucian Riesling. And Crucian Riesling is one of my favourite wines to make more for the, the historical angle of it and that it's always been such a, a, a bread and butter wine to Brown Brothers. When I'm out and about and talking to customers, they quite often tell me the story that Crucian Riesling was the first wine they ever tasted and was the wine that got them drinking wine. Riesling fruit is just looking fantastic this year. The acidity is lovely and as Kate mentioned, we've got really slow ripening as well. So the fruit flavour is fantastic that's coming through. Because this is going into Crucian Riesling, uh, we don't actually ferment the wine all the way through to dry. One of those fun wines to make because we're always watching the sugar levels and the alcohol levels as it's going through ferment. And uh, as we find with 
other wines like Moscato, it's usually three o'clock in the morning. That would be the perfect time to uh, turn the cooling on and stop that ferment. But my first batch of Riesling, I stopped yesterday and it looks like it's all on spec. So going well. And we've got another parcel of Riesling coming in today. And then we'll move on to the Crucians. As this wine has been selling really well over the last year, we actually have to get this out pretty early. So really working hard to get the Crucian and the Riesling through ferment and cleaned up and put in bottles so the sales team can get it out there. As you were talking about that Crucian and Riesling KV, I was recalling a dinner when we released the Crucian and Sauvignon Blanc and the Crucian Riesling Rosé where we went to a venue in Melbourne and had like chili crab and Crucian Riesling. Do you remember that? Were you at that or was that Caroline that was at that? It was uh, just off Glenfrey Road, if it's the one that you're talking about. I think that's the one. My goodness, what a night. (laughs) And I feel like that I had chili crab from like my fingers to my shoulders. There was chili crab going everywhere that night, but what a match for Crucian um, and Riesling to go with chili crab. It was just a match made in heaven, you could say. They gave us these big bibs to wear while we are eating, but they just didn't hardly do anything. <laughs> I think everyone ended up with, with slops of chilli crab all over the place. Now, Joel was talking about the Pinot Grigio and Prosecco coming in at a feverish pace, this uh, vintage. Where are we up to at Banksdale, KB? So Banksdale is nearly finished, which is exciting. And I'm sure the team up there will be excited about actually getting a night of sleep. So the Pinot Grigio is done. We have all that in now. And the last Prosecco from Bankstyle is coming in on Saturday. That really leaves us with a bit of Tempranillo up there. A Bankstyle highlight this year is actually the El Barino. It's a variety that we've all got really excited about for many reasons over the last few years. Sadly, it was one of the varieties that was affected by the fires last year. We just couldn't release it. it uh, we did bring it in for some trials, but the the smoke flavour in the wine was just something that was interesting to look at, but of course we couldn't release. So... Tom Canning is working on this wine this year and he's super excited about it. He's actually put 15% of the juice in barrel. So he's got some old barrels ticking away, fermenting to get sort of a bit more complexity in the wine and build up the body. And he's just really wrapped with the acidity. And that's something that you've heard from both Kate and I over this chat is that these amazing acidities that we're seeing in the whites are just so exciting this year. So, yeah, that wine, that El Brunio, is going to be a a wine to look out for uh, over the next few months. Yeah, I've been excited about the El Brunio over the last three years, but was also very excited about it 16 years ago, but that all went pear-shaped when it turned out to be Sauvignon. But (laughs) anyway, thank goodness we've got the real one this time. (laughs) We're we're on track to make an amazing El Brunio moving forward. Kate, you've had a few opportunities to get out to Heathcote. Can you tell us about the fruit at Heathcote this year and what to expect? Yeah, no, things are looking great. And nothing's ripened really rapidly in the red. So we've had that really lovely time on the vine for flavour to develop without just, you know, quick sugar accumulation and then flavours usually behind. So, again, I think it could be just a fantastic vintage for our reds. And as you go around and taste... You pick a few berries off, the colour that you get in your fingers, like the stain you're getting already, is fantastic. So hopefully that all follows through once it gets into the winery. And the Shiraz from Heathcote is very important to us because it's used in wines such as our Origins Rosé 
1889 Shiraz winemaker series, as well as some passes going into Patricia. Have we got any other plans for Shiraz this year? Or? I think that's enough, isn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was I was waiting for some bombshell of a, a new wine coming through. Come on, Kate. Don't let us down, Kate. <laughs> We're making the loony hiscuit Shiraz. So I think our swag is full of Shiraz and options. But no, there's some, you know, great parcels out there and as you said, you know, Jeff will divert those into you know, Patricia, they pick the eyes out in the vineyard to decide which blocks are the best to go into which parcels and then follow that through into the winery. So, you know, our smaller parcels go into the kindergarten and then, you know, some of the larger ones out into the main winery for fermentation. So, yeah, there's lots of options there. Now, Kate, as senior winemaker, you've passed off most of your products for the others in the team, but how is your baby, the traditional method sparklings, looking this year? Oh, yeah, well, with a great acid year, so far we've picked our non-vintage parcels of Pinot Noir, Chardonnay and Pinot Meunier, and we will be getting the, we've just started picking the parcels for Patricia from the Whitlands Plateau this week, so Pinot Noir and then some Chardonnay next week, and they're looking fantastic, so fingers crossed they follow through into bottle and look great and win us plenty of medals. So in uh, some four to seven years, we'll look forward to tasting the, those wines that are coming out onto the market. Yeah, that's right. Patience. <laughs> yeah, patience is the key. Well, thank you so much for the catch-up, Kate, and thanks for jumping in for Joel. We'll talk to you again soon, potentially in two weeks, depending on what Joel's activities are, I guess. No problem. That was the Ferment Winery Updates. If you have any feedback for us at The Ferment or want to send us some questions to ask our winemaking teams, then send us an email, theferment at brownfamilywinegroup.com.au. So thanks for listening to The Ferment, everyone. Stay safe out there, chase hard and look out for each other.